get for working overtime. Overtime! You think you know me. Live from the White Call Hard Seltzer Studios, it's overtime with William Patterson, Dawson Wise, and Jace Brown. A new year, a new name, and a new crew here on Overtime. And we are so excited for you to be a part of it as we want to hear from you as well at 865-546-8200. On today's show, we'll get you ready for the college football playoff championship tonight between Michigan and Washington. We'll give you our best bets for the night. Also talk about Nico Imaliava's debut for the Vols and the Citrus Bowl. But I want to begin with this, and it's introducing the new show and the new cast. Um, I'm very excited for this year and for this opportunity as um, I was on overtime with Jake uh, over the past couple months. And now I uh, get the opportunity to have my own crew, and it, I'm really excited about it and uh, excited for both you guys to join me as well. And uh, we're going to have a great year, a great show, and uh, let's get right into it. Uh, Let's start off with the Vols embarrassing Ole Miss in the SEC home mm. opener on Saturday. The number five Vols defeat number 22 Ole Miss 90-64 to at home. Uh, Jonas Adu, 24 points and 10 rebounds. Zakai Ziegler, 17 points and 10 assists. And the Vols outscored the Rebels 50-33 to in the second half. And to me, I was really impressed with Jonas Adu. Um, especially when Ole Miss would play high in the pick and roll. And Adu did a great job of rolling. And it almost seemed like uh, Ole Miss didn't know how to defend it. And and that's a very uh, general, you know, how to guard a pick and roll, something right. you learn at a very early age. Um, Ole Miss struggled with it. And Jonas made the most of it and was a really big impact, especially when Dawn Connect was kind of taken out of the game in a mm. sense because uh, Ole Miss had some really lengthy defenders and they kind of took connect out of the game and having Adu uh, put up 24 and 10 was a really big note and Zakai Ziegler a guy who kind of struggled to begin the year we were mm -hmm. worried about well will he return to his form pre-injury and over the last four games and we'll talk about it a little bit more here in a minute but uh, this was another big game for him 17 points 10 assists another double double uh, great stuff uh, guys what was your biggest takeaway from the win we'll begin with you Dalton Dawson I think the biggest thing for me is that the team has retained defensively what we've known from them the last couple mm -hmm. of years, right? But they've also now – they're able to play a game in the 90s, which I think was the biggest thing – the biggest complaint a lot of people had was, well, they can't score enough points to beat teams that score points. They can do both now. This is not something we're used to out of them. I think another big thing for me, you weathered the early storm. You knew this Ole Miss team was going to come out. They were going to hit you in the mouth early. They've done it to everyone they played so far. That's why they're undefeated. Uh, but in this game, every time they seem to mount a run – Tennessee came back. They hit a few big buckets. We got a few buckets from Zakai Ziegler early in the game that set the tone, and you never really let Ole Miss take over the game. I think that was the biggest thing for me. Jason. Yeah, uh, I think one my favorite thing that I saw Saturday was more solid interior play, like you hinted at. Adu was just big, 24 points, like you said, 10 rebounds, and Awaka coming in with some solid minutes as well. Uh, that made a big difference for this Tennessee squad. Um, I've hinted at it before on some other shows. Uh, you know, the best teams in this country right now, like the Purdue's in Kansas, they've got that dominant big man play that sets them apart from all of their competition. And the ceiling for Adu is pretty high whenever he gets going. We've seen him drop 29 earlier this year, drop 24 against a ranked Ole Miss team. Uh, if we can get him rolling just like that more often, I think this team sky's the limit. Yeah, so Tennessee has now moved into the top five in the Kempom rankings. Uh, this is also the highest or third highest adjusted offensive offensive efficiency rate since twenty or, or excuse me two thousand six. Um, and the other thing, you talk about both sides of the ball, right? Adjusted defense, Tennessee's number two in the country. That's really good. And one of the questions with Rick Barnes over the past couple seasons has been the offense, especially last year. There was be some really bad nights and. 
This year, adjusted offense, 24th. So we've really seen kind of a perfect storm under Rick Barnes. You've got the offense, and and getting production from other players outside of Connect uh, on Saturday was really uh, a really good sign for me. Because, look, come March, everything kind of goes out the window what you did in the regular season. It's about the matchup you have, and if a guy gets taken out of the game like Connect did in Maui, like he did on Saturday, you know, who's going to step up and play that next role? And, uh, you know, Josiah Jordan-James has been that for the most part this season, had a good couple shots uh, on Saturday. And uh, Jonas Adu really fit the bill on Saturday as well. But I want to talk a little bit more about Zakai Ziegler mm. because at the beginning of the season, one of my takes was I think he was still trying to figure out his role with some of these new pieces on the team. Add a guy like Dalton Connect, add a guy like Jordan Ganey, two guys at the beginning of the season who were getting a lot of volume offensively. And Ziegler last year was kind of asked to be a little bit of a spark plug offensively. And as they were limited, try to score the ball a little bit more. And this year, when you've got other guys that can score a little bit better, uh, he's been trying to have to move to a playmaker. But we've seen his shot increase over the past couple of games, which I think is is really big. Is it fair to say that Zakai Ziegler has returned to his pre-injury form now? I'd say it's fair. Uh, I think as he tries to move into a facilitator role, I think he's certainly been better in that role, I think. Uh, when you have a guy like Connect uh, or, or a guy like Josiah Jordan-James you can give the ball to, um, Zakai Ziegler's really good at running the floor. Yeah. I mean, he can run the floor, he can open up space, make plays, open up those shots. I think he does that really well, uh, and that contributes to another double-double, a 17-10 and 10 performance. Uh, by doing that, he also opens up his own options as well. They have to guard the shot now. His option to drive to the bucket is open. Uh, I think that's what makes him so good is he can do both. Uh, but in the facilitator role, the pure point guard role, mm-hmm. he's been very good. I think it's fair to say he's he's back for sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think he's back. Like you said, that double-double is pretty big. I mean, he already leads UT history in – points assists double doubles anyway so he's growing that lead uh his defensive side of the ball has been really impressive too coming back finally I mean first shot of the game he blocked it yeah in the corner that was Mm -hmm. really good to see and then you know it's just his tenacity on both ends of the court like you've been saying his facilitator role has been imperative for this team's success as of late uh because you know Vescovy's not having the greatest year on the offensive side of the ball and some people like connect hit or miss most nights so Seeing him being able to insert 17 points of his own, really, really impressive and fun to watch. Yeah, over the last four games, just going to read these numbers down. 17 on Saturday, and then he had 17, uh, 17, 13, and 20 in the prior three games. So uh, definitely the offense has has gotten moving compared Mm. to – Look at the beginning of the year. He's putting up tour dates, you know, uh, three points on one of four shooting, one of five shooting. Um, so he's he's definitely improved, and I think that's a big key for Tennessee, especially having that point guard as a distributor but also be able to score. And I think that was something he was missing and still trying to figure out his footing on the team. And, you know, my prediction was by conference play that he would be back, and it, it seems that way as well. And we want to hear from you, 865 865- 546-8200, your number if you want to hop in and be a part of the show. Let's head to the phones. I think we got Joshy Boy on the line. Happy New Year, Joshy. Good. Happy New Year to you guys. How are you? Good. How are you guys doing? Doing well, man. William, I don't know if I told you before, in like the third or fourth week of the season, I bought Washington Future to win it all at 18-1. to Yeah. I'm kind of going to hedge the bet i'm taking a michigan team total over 30 and a half points what's your thought on it guys wow um mm. you're, you're looking for some points in this game and uh you know com- yeah. considering what washington and texas look like uh you know definitely could be on pace with that since washington has such a high powered offense but uh, to me i'd be a little bit worried um, because I don't know if this is going to be the shootout that that Texas-Washington game was because Michigan's got a really good defense. Um, and I think if they're yeah. able uh, to contain Penix, I don't think it's going to be as much of a shootout. Now, um, Michigan does play a, a very balanced kind of NFL-style attack, um, You know, getting guys like Blake Corm and the run game involved and also you know J.J. McCarthy, letting him let it go. But, um, I, you know, I, if you could, I might as well just – you know, take a, a Michigan spread or a, a Michigan money line. Mm-hmm. So that way you kind of – either way you're a winner because, um, you know, you don't want to lose both if Michigan doesn't hit that 30 mark. Um, yeah, and we're, we're going to be talking more about that game at the start of next hour and our bets, best bets at the end of this hour. But um, I don't know. That 30 seems a little high. What do you guys think? 
Yeah, a little bit high. Uh, actually, that's going to be what I partly talk about when we talk about uh, talk about bets. Um, but I'll leave that for later. I just I'm with you. I don't think it's going to be the shootout that some people think yeah. it's going to be. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think for I wrote down my prediction earlier. I think. 31 might be as highest as I was thinking as putting down. I don't even think I put that down. Uh, And even if it does become one of those shootout games, I don't, I'm not sure if it becomes one of those that Michigan can hang on. Cause I mean, Washington's just got that run and gun offense. I mean, they'll throw it all over the field. Like I'm not sure if they can just keep up. Cause I mean, Washington's got the dogs to take that game over if it gets to it. And and what I'll say, Joshy, real quick, uh, Washington's defense is, is by far less superior than Michigan's defense. So, and the fact of that, that you know, not a top tier defense on the other side, you could be able to put up some points there. So, yeah, um, their run defense isn't that good. Yeah, run defense isn't that good, and they also got burnt in a lot of Pac-12 games in the air as well. Now, uh, their argument is, well, we were up by a lot of points, and obviously teams are going to try and throw it more. Um, but still, uh, you know, Stanford and Arizona State was putting up some big passing numbers on them. I, I don't know if that necessarily is a good thing. So if Michigan is able to just kind of just attack that Washington defense, then you could maybe get that 30 number. I still think that's a little bit high. Yeah. I wanted to talk a little bit about UT basketball, William. Yeah. Uh, I went to the game Saturday night. I was really impressed by – their performance against Ole Miss, I thought it was going to be a closer game. And I'm not going to discount Ole Miss as, like, overrated or anything yet. I want to see a couple more SEC games from them. But I think Adu, if that pick and pop is there, like, almost every night, I think they should use that more, like, alley-oop to the basket and all that because I think that – can work and I think that'd be efficient a lot yeah well the luxury you have when you've got a bunch of guys that can shoot from three at a high percentage like connect and a Viscovi and uh you know Ziegler now is really turning it up as well teams are going to try and play over on that pick and roll which means uh, naturally there's going to be a little bit of space down low so um yeah I'm all for it and I think on, on Saturday Ole Miss just did not know how to defend that and um you know time and time again they'd even if they decide to switch, then you've got a smaller player on Adu, and Adu really had his own against a couple of really tall bigs for Ole Miss. The guy was seven five. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I was uh, shocked at that. I totally forgot they even had him. I knew uh, Musa from his time at Memphis and Oklahoma State, but um, still, those guys were significantly taller than Adu, and he still held his own. So I think if that's another wrinkle in your offense, I think that's a, a very good point. Oh, absolutely. I mean, think back to I was in what my third, fourth show or so, and I said the guy to look for was Jonas Adu. Yeah, and they've started to use him. It's it's like they listened to us. Um, yeah, and started to use that more. Uh, just getting inside and, and getting the paint points. I mean, forty-two of Tennessee's ninety points were in the paint. Yeah, and that is that's going to be something you have to lean on mm-hmm. later in the season. Yeah, yeah, that and like the you know con- consistent just number of assists that Tennessee is able to provide. I mean, those backdoor cuts. Like you said, Joshy, I mean, they're going to be there close to half of the time. I mean, they, they work a bunch against, you know, a top 25 team. So it could work down the line, and why not exploit it if you got it? Right. And, uh, William, I know a lot of people are worried that, like, we're in, like, a lot of points the past few games. But when we get the March, that's all when it really matters, like, when he turns it on and has, like, those 20 to 25 point games, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, look, every game is not going to be uh, what you look like in March, and every game's not going to be the same, you know, going forward. Like, uh, you can have a guy put up 30 points one night, and the next game he struggles. Like, it's just it's just part of basketball, part of sports in reality. Um, so, really, it doesn't bother me. Um, I, I think the, the biggest positive is finding ways to win even when another guy is struggling. And putting up 90 points against an – undefeated team now granted they hadn't played that many great teams yeah. but 90 points in a home opener a home sec openers very inspiring a very good number um and even when a couple guys were struggling really in that first half tennessee didn't hit more than uh two threes until the like five four minute mark they were struggling from three yeah. and they got got it going it's all about you know how do you respond to adversity and and even when someone's not playing well, your team might not be playing well, how do you respond? And I think they showed that on Saturday. One more thing before the way out. Well, I was going to ask you, William, 
how was uh even though it ended up not in your favor yesterday, but how was the game? Did you have a great time? Man, uh, Josh, it was fun. Um, I was telling these guys before we went on, uh, my friend – um, Carson, he knows a guy for the Titans, ended up getting some sideline passes before the game oh, nice. and uh, had some nice seats as well. I'm a big Trevor Lawrence guy and a Jaguars fan too, so um, got yeah. to meet Trevor Lawrence. Which that probably made my year in itself. Now, um, I hated that a couple hours later it was um, you know packing up the car and going back home because we lost. Um, but, yeah, it, it was a fun time. And uh, I enjoyed it. Now, I wish the outcome was different and, uh, you know, why the Jaguars lost. We'll talk a little bit more about tomorrow. But, um, yeah, it, it was a fun time to say that we lost. Yeah. Out the door, I'm going to go uh, 34-31 Washington. Go Huskies. All Ooh. right. You heard it right there from Joshie. And we'll be right back to talk about the Citrus Bowl and Nico Imaliava's dazzling debut. Ever been the coach who realized the team's gear just wasn't up to par? Well, if I'm being honest, that was me. Just a downright irresponsible and plain bad coach. Then, SM Athletics changed the game. I want you to picture this. I walk into their store, a coach with a vision. SM Athletics didn't just see a coach. They saw a team's potential. And they delivered custom uniforms so striking. Our team's spirit soared. From cutting-edge apparel to top-notch equipment, SM Athletics transformed our presence. No more unreliable online orders or envying the other team's style. SM Athletics stands for quality, design, and on-time delivery every time. Coaches, elevate your team with SM Athletics. Call 865 966-3434 or visit smathletics.com. Get the best for your team. Delivered right and on time. So, elevate your team's game by contacting SM Athletics today. Life is more fun with a Good Life checking account offering extra benefits including bank travel. Join us for a trip to Mackinac Island for a stay at the beautiful Grand Hotel. Travel with us to southern Utah to witness the enormous, colorful, and unusual rock formations. Or join us on one of our many day trips. We're always on the go. Citizens National Bank. Banking never felt so good. Member FDIC. Attention service members and veterans. Introducing the Griffin Law Firm, your trusted ally in military legal matters. Whether it's fighting for your rights, navigating complex regulations, or seeking justice, at Griffin Law, your mission is their mission. Here's VFL Marshall Griffin. As a veteran and retired military attorney, I've successfully defended lifelong benefits and helped preserve professional futures. So I know that when you hire a military justice lawyer, you maximize your chance to get relief. With my unique experience, I can advocate for you because there's no military matter that's too big or too small. Let us help you make these critical decisions that could affect the rest of your life. Remain silent, request counsel, call Griffin Law. For a free consultation, call 888-707-4282. That's 888-707-4282. Or visit griffinlawdefense.com. Matlock Tire and Auto Service, proudly serving East Tennessee since 1953. At Matlock, they provide hometown service you can trust. Whether you need a great deal on a new set of quality tires, or you're just looking for a trustworthy place to get your oil changed and tires rotated, Matlock is there for you with five locations across East Tennessee. Find your nearest location and schedule your service online today at matlocktireservice.com. Support those who support Fan Run. Support Matlock Tire Service and Auto. Welcome back to Overtime here on a Monday night, the first episode of the new year. Happy to be back, and uh, we were happy to watch a, another great start to the new year, and that happened in Orlando, Florida, where the Tennessee Vols shut out Iowa 35 to nothing in the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl. Nico I. Maliava, 12 of 19 for 151 yards and a touchdown in the air and 27 yards and a hat trick, three touchdowns, on the ground, we were so excited to see him throw the ball, and he ended up doing more with his legs into the end zone. So, hey, I, I'll take it. Uh, you know, scoring points is, is good, however it happens. Um, so, 
Uh, this was uh, a really surprising win for me, not in the fact that the Vols won, but in the fashion that they won. Right. Because we knew that Iowa had one of the best defenses in the country. We just saw them a couple weeks ago in the Big Ten championship game hold Michigan, who's playing tonight in the national championship game, to 26 points. And really, they held their own up until that third quarter when Michigan kind of started to pull away. And, you know, I, I thought going into the game, okay, you know, I want Nico to play. I want to see what he looks like, but this could be a bad matchup. You know, the, one of the best defenses in the country in your first game ever, eh, you know, that's, a, that's a tough matchup. But uh, not only did he impress, uh, the Vols just dominated. And to me, what I was so impressed with was his pocket awareness. You know, if the pocket collapsed, he'd move up, move around, just that shiftiness. And, um, you know, looking down the field and making plays, I was really impressed with what he did, but more so the intangible, stuff that you really can't teach. The shiftiness at that size is almost, you know, never seen. And I thought his pocket awareness for a freshman uh, is very impressive. Now, there are a couple throws that he was a little off target on, but he was really accurate for the most mm -hmm. part. You know, hit people in stride, um, and then you had an occasional Ramal key and drop every now and then, but that's <laughs> not on him. You know, that's finding your target at the right time, and um, a couple of those plays, if had been caught, could have been even bigger plays. Could have had more yards in the passing game. So, uh, I was very impressed. And, guys, uh, what did Nico prove to you guys in, in the big Citrus Bowl win? The biggest thing to me is he proved he's ready to run the offense. There you the go. The biggest thing to me, it was, it was faster again. Whereas, you know, during the season with, with Joe, it, was, it wasn't that it was slow, but it was slow for that kind of offense. We were looking to the sideline for play calls. We were looking to the sideline for audibles, you know, killing the play. Uh, or the play call wasn't getting in in time. We are having to burn a timeout. I don't recall Nico having to do that in the Citrus Bowl. Uh, he was able to just read off the plate, go immediately. There was no killing it. He was running the play very well. And like you said, his poise in the pocket was incredible. I mean, it looked like he'd done it for three years already, and it's his first college start. Uh, when it comes to just actually what he did, what he produced, biggest thing for me is finding his running lanes, being able to confidently run the ball, which is, again, something uh, Hendon Hooker could do it last year. Joe Milton could do it at times, but I think Nico, a lot more of a natural athlete. Um, and the short, medium throws that we missed from Joe this year, Nico hit almost all of them, barring drops, like you said. Uh, but he hit all of those throws, and he hit them very well. He gave his receivers a chance to go make a play. We were doing chunk play, getting chunk plays again. It's going to lead to, I think it's going to lead to the offense being more of you can extend drives now. You can have four or five minute drives instead of maybe just being a lightning bolt kind of explosive play kind of offense for me. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like you said, I think something that Nico proved to me was he can lead this team. I think these guys rallied around uh, the first year guy. I mean, of course. Sometimes you got to throw them, throw them to the wolves, you know, and that's kind of what you did throwing them to an Iowa defense that's been flying around all year. But uh, of course, he made some smart reads and decisions, even though the O line really didn't seem to help him that much. Sometimes, I mean, sometimes he was getting just swamped in two seconds and having to book it out of the pocket. But there was a couple times where I would just see Squirrel White just streaking down the hash marks, just wide open, and he'd dump it off to Ramel Keaton. And like you said, them pan hands would. Come and haunt him again, but, you know, that's learning opportunities for him. So, I mean, whenever we get this O-line back up to full strength at the start of this next season and an offense full of weapons, I, this thing can sprout into something really special. Pan hands. I'm going to have to add that to my vocabulary. <laughs> it's better than lineman hands. Yeah. You know, I, I was a lineman myself. I uh -huh. didn't really suffer from that. Yeah. Yeah. I usually hear the term, you know, bricks for hands. I've never heard the, the pan hand. That, that rolls off the tongue well. Yeah. Pan hands. I, I like mean, that. It, it, you, gets it, to, it gets to it, gets it out. Did you come up with that? Maybe. I don't know. I might have heard it in passing from like an old coach, but okay. I mean, I. I could have made it up. All right, we'll, we'll give Jace credit there for pan hands. That's a new term here on overtime. Um, so, look, Vols retain a majority of their offensive line. Uh, return a couple of key contributors as well. Brew McCoy made his announcement last week, which I think is a huge deal. Mm. Um, Squirrel White, Dylan Sampson, and you add Holden Stays and Chris Brazel from the portal. So, how should we expect this offense to look next season with the Polynesian Payton under center? Successful. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, and I think the two biggest things for me uh, are the, the pace, uh, number one, and being able to also being able to convert in the red zone. How many times this season do we have games where we came yeah. away with some drives of three? Alabama, that game's going to haunt this team for probably a long time. Mm -hmm. uh, but 
you now can come away with touchdowns. We never even attempted a field goal in the Citrus Bowl. Yeah. I don't even think the kicking team ever came on to attempt one. No. So you converted in all of your red zone trips, mainly with that quarterback run, that design quarterback run that we really utilized a lot. For me, the other thing, you can extend drives, and by doing that, you don't gas out the defense. Sure. I think that was a problem yeah. a lot this season, too. I think it was you know, a problem in that Alabama game. You'd have Joe Milton come out there, and just nothing would work. You'd go three and out, and you'd punt, and you'd have the ball for 45 seconds. And then all of a sudden, here comes the defense again. They just gave up a touchdown. Now they got to come back out on the field. With Nico, if you can run five-minute drives, even if you're not converting for points necessarily, if you can extend drives, get across midfield, you can give your defense a chance to rest. Maybe you get better performance from that group, too. I think I think Nico can make this offense run like it's supposed to run. Like you said, being able to drag out drives when you need to, bang-bang plays when you need to. Uh, I think, for me, the highest expectation, maybe the offense runs as smoothly as that 2022 squad. I mean, new guys, of course, we don't have a Boletnikoff out there. We don't have Hendon Hooker, who's a 60-year senior out there. We've got sophomore Nico uh, and guys like Squirrel White that have been there. Brew McCoy that have been there, new guys like Brazel coming in there, Dylan Sampson going to be RB1. So, I mean, new portal additions everywhere, O-line revamped a little bit this year. It's going to be a young team, but, man, I, th- I think some things can really click. To me, you know, if you're going to have a sophomore quarterback, or really, I mean, he's a, a freshman, you know, right. not much experience. If you're going to have a guy who doesn't have much experience at quarterback, your first most important thing is having an offensive line that – is going to hold its own. And, you know, even though we kind of saw ebbs and flows of it this year, um, I, I think it returns a very good offensive line in terms of what you return. I mean, Cade Mays, uh, or excuse me, Cooper Mays, I should say, uh, returning him at your center, your guy right under center, your, you know, closest guy to Nico, that's huge. Um, and especially in the SEC trenches where it's, you know, as, as tough as any, anywhere in college football. Um, you've got to have an offensive line that can protect him, and I think returning a lot of these guys really helps him. Now, in terms of the weapons he has, you know, Squirrel White um, didn't have as good of a season as many people would hoped he would, especially after that Orange Bowl game a couple years ago. And 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 that's why I also want to say bowl games aren't necessarily, you know, projecting what's going to happen next year. But you also obviously want to look good, so you know that there's not a a bad thing to look ahead for. But um, you know, returning Squirrel, I think Brew McCoy is a really big deal too because he's the most reliable receiver right. on the team, in my opinion. Yeah. And, you know, he might not be the flashiest, might not be a Blitnikoff award winner, but he's reliable. And he's been reliable during his entirety of his Tennessee career. I mean, that Alabama win probably does not happen without Brew McCoy. You oh, know, yeah, and, absolutely. And, and that's a, you know, a double coverage pass that he ends up bringing down. A couple of this year's receivers aren't bringing that down. Mm. And I think returning him is a huge deal. Now, adding guys to the portal, and we know how big the transfer portal is now in college football, adding guys in home stays who is kind of a hybrid, uh, a tight end, and, and comes from Notre Dame where they've had a lot of success at tight end. Um, and I think he can be a great pass catcher and also a good blocker as well because sometimes everyone you know wants to think about the you know the Kyle Pitts type tight end that's so wide and it kind of looks like an alien out there but you've got to be able to block too and I think Holden Stays has done that at Notre Dame and adding a guy like Chris Brazell uh, from Tulane who's got a really big frame I think he's what 6'5", 6'4", that's a really good target as well and then you know who knows if Dante Thornton comes back and can kind of play like he did at Oregon where he was a really big threat for them even though he was a wide receiver three they had a lot of talent on that roster so if he's able to come back and be another key piece you know then you've got some weapons you've got a solid offensive line that's to me is what wins you long term and um, my only question and I love Dylan Sampson I think he's a really talented player a lot of people compare him to Alvin Kamara but one thing if I had a gripe about the bowl game be his run blocking and yes. pass blocking. Uh, there were a couple times in that game. Now, if it were a designed run, Nico would run out. Um, he'd kind of have to shed off that first blocker uh, or first defender on Samson's blocker. And um, in the passing game as well, Samson a couple times didn't really know where to read where the block was supposed to be made. Uh, didn't hold it very well. And and I, I think again, Samson as talented as it gets. At, at, at running back, but if you can't block, you're not going to play long term. And that's my question for him. And that's something he should get better at this season. So if there was one thing, hey, get better at this, it's run blocking. Because 
um, and pass blocking. Because if you can't do that, uh, I promise you, the Dallas Turners of the SEC mm. would love to have a, a back in the backfield that cannot block. Yeah. Um, I think one guy, you know, you come up with Dylan Sampson, not, not the biggest guy on the planet yeah. back there. I mean, you get a, his backup from the Citrus Bowl, Cam Seldon. I yeah. mean, that dude's no slouch. He's a good 6'2", 230. I mean, he's a meatball back there. <laughs> he's a meat shield, maybe better words. But, I mean, if you if it comes to it, I mean, it might tip him off like, hey – play action pass here he's going to stay back here and block but if it gets the job done gets him an extra second to throw the ball I think you take every measure you can to definitely protect him on those types of plays and I'm not saying that you know uh Samson can't improve on that and and you know he's he's still in his infancy of playing at Tennessee too you know he had limited snaps throughout the year because he was backing up a senior and backing up a guy that's about to go to the NFL you know he hadn't had that many opportunities and and Iowa's a really good defense. We know that they bring some good blocker, or you know, bring some good defenders. So, um, not taking that game as you know his that's his reputation now, a bad pass blocker, but uh, definitely something uh, he can work on. I um, mean, we we want to hear from you eight six five five four six eight two zero zero and your number if you want to hop in. Dawson, who we got on the line? We got Tanner on the line right now. All right, come on in, Tanner. Tanner. Hey, Will. What's up? Hey, how are you? Doing good, man. Uh, I've been in a couple classes with you at UT. Yeah, I didn't know if you'd what up, man? What up? Yeah, what's up? Thank so you I for calling to get in. Your thoughts on um, you were at the Jags game yesterday, correct? I was. All right, I know you're a big Jags guy. What yeah. are your thoughts on just kind of the way the season went after you know high expectations last year, come close against the Chiefs in the divisional round, and just b- big expectations coming in, and then. A lot of tough things going on with Lawrence's injuries and just things not breaking their way. But what do you think is the future of the team looks like? Yeah, and you know you allude to last year, and I think that's where we should pick up because uh, last year it kind of seemed like the Jaguars were a little bit ahead of schedule. You know, Doug Peterson comes in, new coach with a second-year quarterback in Lawrence, and um, Lawrence's rookie season was a circus show. You had Urban Meyer coaching, who is a great college coach, but. Um, he had Tim Tebow playing tight end at one point. He was out at the you know local bars in Jacksonville getting pictures taken of him that probably shouldn't be out there. And uh, that kind of stuff is dysfunctional, and that's why the Jaguars were dysfunctional in Lawrence's rookie year. But you bring a guy in like Peterson who has a lot of success uh, in, in, his, in his time of coaching, you know, won the Eagles a championship, a Super Bowl, and you bring a good offensive mind like him in and you bring some pieces in, um, I, I, you know, I thought the Jaguars were ahead of schedule, but last year where they went wrong, it started in the off season, you know, you go nine and eight, you make the playoffs, you win a game. Now it's time to add a couple more pieces. Let's get a little bit better. What were we missing last year? And, you know, you lose Jawan Taylor, who was one of the top offensive linemen in the NFL. And, you know, you, you draft Antoine Harrison, um, who's a good piece, and you add Calvin Ridley, but that's really all you did. And the defense last year was a huge question mark. And for a majority of this season, it was really good. It was one of the uh, better teams uh, halfway through the season because they were getting a ton of turnovers. Now, the second half of the season has been a nightmare on all sides of the ball. And uh, to me, I think it's a lack of self-awareness from the front office going into the new year. And uh, as Lawrence battled injuries, you know, for a couple of weeks there, he had a new injury three weeks in a row, a concussion, the ankle, and then the shoulder. You're kind of knocking him off of his game, kind of knocking him off of his rhythm. And the problem is the Jaguars' offensive line was not good throughout the year, and the run game was not good either. And the Jaguars were too one-dimensional and too solely focused on Trevor Lawrence and his performances that if he wasn't, you know, just having an all-time game or just, you know, putting up 364 yards like he did against the Texans when they won earlier in the season, the Jaguars struggled. And I think yesterday uh, was kind of a product of the whole season. The defense uh, was really bad at tackling, really bad at communication. Let the Titans, who should not be putting up 28 points at this point in the season, they're, they're trying to play for a draft pick. And the, the Jaguars got behind, and uh, the run game was absent, and you kind of had to rely on Lawrence to make some plays. And and that was really the story of the season and the story of yesterday. So um, heading into the new year, they've got to fix the offensive line, particularly at center. Um, you've got to get another wide receiver in the draft, and you've got to reevaluate that defense. Um, and, and there were games all year where one, you know, one position group struggled more than the other, 
You've got to be able to get guys that can be consistent each week, and I think that's the Jaguars' problem at the moment. Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously everything you said, and also just teams like like Houston finds an absolute, I mean, to say he's a steal when he's that high of a pick, yeah. C.J. Stroud just yeah. outperforms everyone's expectations. You got Miami has a healthy year with Tua. They take steps forward. Even Cleveland somehow, just yeah. with whoever they've got back there, and just kind of all those things combined with a lack of improvement, I think, yeah, that's mm-hmm. kind of where things went wrong a little bit. Well, yeah, you've also got to look, you know, going forward now. Um, you know, the Jaguars very well could be the third best team in the division next year because uh, Shane Steichen's done a great job with the Colts. They were a, a pass drop away from playing in the playoffs probably. Um, and the Texans are way ahead of schedule. Uh, First-year head coach, rookie quarterback. They kind of threw together a bunch of pieces. And they've been one of the most surprising teams and one of the better teams this year. Now they're in the playoffs. So if the, the Jaguars look, have got to look around and be like, hey, You've got quarterbacks in this division that are going to be around for a while. Will Levis will probably be around for a little bit. Anthony Richardson, no, he got hurt, but he, in his sparing time this year, looked like he could play. And uh, C.J. Stroud has proven already that he's going to be around for a while as well. So you've got to be able to compete not only in the AFC, but your own division. And you've got to get better, and I think they have to realize that. Yeah, and I think, I mean, obviously Levis, and Richardson, the potential is there. But if you're the Jaguars, you have to look at it as Stroud is good, but you have the best quarterback in the division. So you can't you can't let people, you know, you can't lose the division in a, yeah. in a division where you have the best quarterback. Yeah, the most proven out of them all. And I know Stroud was great this year, but, you know, Lawrence has at least won a playoff game so far. Now Stroud very well could this weekend. Um, but in terms of who's proven themselves more, uh, you know, Lawrence is by far the better quarterback and the more proven quarterback. So, yeah, I, I totally agree. You've got to, uh, again, <laughs> you can't let these other teams get ahead of you, especially in your own division. Yeah, and then just one last thing uh, about what do you think the future holds for Mike Brable? Obviously, he's, I mean, I think most would think say he's a good coach, but he's maybe not what the titans need right now and maybe the titans aren't what he needs right now what do you what would you like to see him do next year yeah and i'll get all these guys involved on this as well you know to me i think vrabel's a really good coach um he's got a great attitude loves his team loves his players um but he's a coach that not necessarily uh wants to rebuild or really be a part of a rebuild in my opinion and that definitely seems where the titans are headed um you know derrick henry most likely leaving this offseason um you have a second year quarterback still trying to figure out some offensive pieces that work. Now, Ty J. Spears is a really good piece they got, but at receiver, um, you know, DeAndre Hopkins was a nice story, and he had a good year. Um, but I, in my opinion, I don't think Hopkins could be your number one receiver at this state in his career. So they've got to get better offensive weapons and try to kind of modernize that offense because we've seen teams that have really struggled over the last couple of years, like the Detroit Lions, and now they're one of the best offenses in the NFL. So I think it's more so getting a guy that's willing to be a part of a project. And I think Vrabel's kind of not there, and he wants to be with a team that's competing for a playoff spot, competing for a Super Bowl. And I don't think it's that he doesn't want to be with the Titans anymore. I just don't think it's the right fit. Guys, what do you think? Yeah, I think he's better with an established system, right, rather than one he has to build himself. Um, you got to get a guy that can develop a quarterback. you got to develop Will Levis if he is going to be your guy of the future. you you got to get a guy that can develop him and develop his skills. I don't think that's Mike Vrabel. Uh, I don't know. Maybe he surprises us next year. Maybe he goes out and, and Levis has a good year and it looks like he develops him. Uh, maybe he hires some, some extra staff members. Maybe he hires a new staff to help develop Levis. But that's the biggest part of the rebuild for the Titans. I mean, Levis has to be the guy if you're going to make this rebuild work. So uh, if you're going to do that, I don't know if it's Vrabel, but maybe uh, maybe he surprises us next year. Yeah, I also am not sure if it's going to be Vrabel there next year. Uh, but I will say this year I feel like they did take a step towards a more modernized version of the offense they were running. You know, they didn't have Derrick Henry out there on third downs. It felt like ever. Every time I'd flip the channel to it, Tajay Spears out there taking that third down snap. Derrick Henry's not their just just pound it down the throat kind of guy anymore. They're not making plays off of him where everybody's having to key on him every time. Uh, so I think there's some growth in that area. But like y'all have hit on, I mean, this rebuild, it kind of feels like it's imminent now. I mean, they're, they're at the number seven pick in the draft. We were talking about it earlier. They had the five spot almost locked up had they lost uh, Sunday 
but they won it, moved up to the seven spot. So, I mean, and yeah, I'm, I'm not sure Vrabel wants to be a part of that. He has his identity already known. Like mm-hmm. he's a, he's a player's coach. Players love playing for him, but I, I'm not sure that's a sustainable way to coach that franchise at this point in time. Yeah, I think just to say about Vrabel that, I mean, what sticks in my mind and probably always will about Vrabel is that playoff game against New England when he's manipulating the clock rules. I'm sure you all remember that when he's yeah. <laughs> against Bill Belichick. I think he's meant to coach a team like that Titans team was, a team that's ready to compete yeah. and probably not so fit to be coaching a team that is trying to get there. But anyway, great, great to hear you, Will. Keep yeah. going. Great, great to listen to you, man. Tanner, thank you so much for calling in, man. Great to take your call. And uh, we'll be right back with our best bets for the night when we return here on Overtime. Is your home's exterior in need of a makeover? If so, it's time to call North Knox Siding and Windows. Transform your home's curb appeal with premium siding options. From classic to modern styles, they've got something to suit every taste. Upgrade to energy-efficient windows that'll keep your home comfortable all year round while saving you money on your energy bills. North Knox Siding and Windows. Get ready to fall in love with your home all over again. Online at northknoxsidingandwindows.com. Ever been the coach who realized the team's gear just wasn't up to par? Well, if I'm being honest, that was me. Just a downright irresponsible and plain bad coach. Then, SM Athletics changed the game. I want you to picture this. I walk into their store, a coach with a vision. SM Athletics didn't just see a coach. They saw a team's potential. And they delivered custom uniforms so striking. Our team's spirit soared. From cutting-edge apparel to top-notch equipment, SM Athletics transformed our presence. No more unreliable online orders or envying the other team's style. SM Athletics stands for quality, design, and on-time delivery every time. Coaches, elevate your team with SM Athletics. Call 865. 966-3434 or visit smathletics.com Get the best for your team delivered right and on time So, elevate your team's game by contacting SM Athletics today Are you ready to show off that confident radiant smile you've always dreamed of? Well, here at Knoxville Smiles we're ready to turn your dream into a reality. At Knoxville Smiles we're more than just a dental practice We're your partners in achieving optimum oral health From routine cleanings and checkups to advanced cosmetics and restorative procedures, we offer a wide range of services in an environment that makes every visit a positive and comfortable experience. At Knoxville Smiles, it's about more than just treatments. We're focused on creating a welcoming environment where you feel like family. Our state-of-the-art facilities are designed with your comfort in mind, and our friendly staff is always ready to address your questions and concerns. Don't wait any longer to achieve a beautiful smile you deserve. Schedule your appointment at Knoxville Smiles today and take that first step towards a healthier, happier you. Call us at 865-539-1776 to book your appointment today or just visit our website at KnoxvilleSmiles.com. Are you tired of looking at that piece of furniture that is wore down but you don't want to get rid of it? Go see our friends at Sun Upholstery and Fabric. Locally and family owned and operated with over 67 years of combined experience. Located at 8913 Oak Ridge Highway, give them a call today at 865-237-3272 or visit them online at fabricsun.com. That's fabricsun.com and be sure to tell Stan that you heard about him right here on Fan Run Radio. 7.30 All right, and the final segment for hour number one here on this Monday night edition of Overtime. And guys, it's time for our best bets of the night. Now, obviously the national championship game is the, uh, I guess, the biggest game of the night. There's some smaller college basketball games on as well, but um, I'll begin with mine, and it's Michigan at minus five. Now, it's moved up to five and a half now. It's also kind of lingered around six on some books. Um, previously, four and a half and four, but I got it at minus five. And to me, I think Michigan's defense is and has been one of and the best defense throughout the year. And my biggest thing with them is early in the year when they were playing you know, Bowling Green and Panera Bread Tech and Rutgers, 
they were still dominant. I'm talking about, you know, three points, six points, seven points allowed. Even though those teams are inferior, they were still dominating those teams. Some games, they wouldn't even cross the 50-yard line. And in that Alabama game, they were dominant in that first half. Now, when you're playing against Nick Saban, he's going to make some second-half adjustments, and he did. Alabama came out looking like a totally different team, but down the stretch and when it mattered most, Michigan's defense was able to get it done. And Michigan's offense, you know, focused on Blake Corm and, and allowing J.J. McCarthy to kind of, you know, make plays. They were able to make those plays down the stretch in that game, and they ended up winning for that reason. Um, so to me, I think the defensive differential is too big here. And I think if Washington does not get those same big plays and that timing that Penix had against Texas, mm. um, it looks like I mean, he was like in the pocket for forever. He had so much time. I think that will be a little bit different tonight with Michigan. Uh, minus five is the bet for me. Uh, the public bet is still Washington. Some big money's coming in on Michigan to mm. make that line move a little bit for a uh, little bit more. Uh, but for me, it is Michigan at minus five. Dawson, what's he, what do you have? I stayed away from the line personally. I, okay. I don't like lines in these postseason games um, okay. just because they can be so unpredictable. I mean, how many have we seen that become blowouts so sure. far? So but yeah. I went with the uh, the under, 55 and a half. So I'm going against Joshy Boy, I guess, tonight. Okay. Um, I just I don't feel like this is going to be a, a high-scoring game. I feel like it's first to 25, first to 30, probably gets the win. Uh, and like you said, with Michigan's defense, I mean, if they can do anything close to what they had against Alabama, yeah. I mean, they're going to make Pennick struggle, and the points are going to be at a premium, I think, I'd say under 55.5 for me personally. Yeah, and I mean, Washington's been struggling with struggled all year with like inferior opponents than what any team that Alabama has played pretty much. So, I mean, I'm, I'm also going to take a line here, uh, an alternate spread at that, Michigan minus 6.5. Uh, I, th- I think there's a touchdown difference between these two teams tonight. Like you've been hitting on, that defense has been swarming all year. They really don't have any bald spots in that defense. So I think I think they can, if if they can contain on that front line like they have been, like they did against Bama, should be no problem for Michigan to get it done. Yeah, and when you look at a lot of these uh, past games, you know a lot of these games the winner wins by more than a touchdown. Um, we had it last year. And the Georgia TCU, we know how that one went. Um, But also Georgia and Alabama, Mm -hmm. 33-18, Alabama 52-24 in 2020. So if you're going to take a side and you're going to pick a winner, that winner's most likely going to win by double digits if it follows. I think uh, every team has won by more than a touchdown besides 2016 between Clemson and Bama. So, um, yeah, I think minus five is a good side. The under for Dawson, looking for points to be a premium tonight, fading uh, Joshy Boy's uh, team total <laughs> over 31. Um, and we want to hear from you as well. Let's see who we got on the line. We got Patrick on the line. Patrick. Ho, 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 and a happy, happy new year, William Patterson. Happy new year, Patrick. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Congratulations on the new show. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. I'm glad uh, the, the Santa calls return. <laughs> <laughs> I had to catch your first show. Um, I just have a couple comments about the Tennessee Ole Miss basketball game. Yeah, go ahead. The the pick and roll. Um, one of the things that that you that when teams have have put Tennessee in that pick and roll mm-hmm. position, if you don't have your forwards hedging off, your defensive forwards edging towards the middle. I mean, Tennessee gets killed on that all the time. Yeah, because usually the post that gets drug out doesn't have the quickness to get back, which is exactly mm-hmm. what happened at Ole Miss. They just couldn't get back or react. The, the post was coming too far out. Mm-hmm. And I do think that part of Beard's game plan was to lock down Triple J and connect and say, you other three guys are going to have to beat us, and we don't think you can shoot us. You can outshoot us in the game. Yeah. Um. You know, as you said, they had some rangy defenders guarding Dalton Connect, and even Triple J was kept under wraps as well. Um, now, he was playing more the four, mm-hmm. uh, but still, I think there's there's an explanation other than Dalton Connect is broken and, he, and he's not going to ever score any more points. Yeah. yeah that, that, that's, a, that, that's a weak angle, in my opinion. I think he's proven himself so far this season that 
Uh, he's a player, and he's going to be a big-time player come March. And, look, not every guy is going to have 50 points a night. Like, there are going to be nights where some some players are struggling more than others. And I, I think on Saturday you saw, uh, you know, Connect not be able to get that big production offensively that he wants, but other guys fill the role. I mean, Adu, and you talk right. about that pick and roll, Adu did such a great job. And even when Ole Miss would try to get back and react, it usually draw a foul. And that those are points in itself, too. So um, I, I thought Tennessee did a really good job adjusting to that and, and, and finding a way to win in a dominant fashion at home against a undefeated team. Now, they granted, haven't played some good teams, but um, undefeated nonetheless, and, and that was a great win for the Vols. Well, I was completely surprised. I, you know, that, that goes to show – with, if you get your spacing right, mm-hmm. I mean, they, they had everybody outside the three-point arc on virtually every one of those pick-and-roll plays. Yeah. And had you had someone edge, then that would have you would have been likely the person guarding Dawson Connect or whoever was in his position or uh, who was guarding Triple J, yeah. which would have either let them open for a shot or – you know, the, the opportunity to, to take a pass, maybe one dribble, and you're in the lane already with the length of those two guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it – I did not expect that, especially when we were ice cold uh, from shooting from range uh, throughout the first half. But I'll tell you, Meshack, the last minute and a half of the, the first half, and then the way Tennessee came out in the second half, man, they left no doubt of who was the, the going to be the alpha in that game. It was something uh, really good to see. Yeah, it was. And we really didn't cover Meshack too much, but I thought his offensive production was really big in some spurts there <laughs> as well. Um, but, Patrick, we got to hit a break. Um, got to head to the next hour. But thank you so much for calling in. Great to hear from you. I uh, hope you call in more uh, this semester. Or I guess I guess it's a semester New for year. us. Yeah, semester New for year us, yeah. for, for everyone else. But thank you so much, Patrick. All right. Um, let's see. We'll be right back with more overtime, getting you ready for the national championship game between Michigan and Washington coming up in the next hour of overtime. Hi, this is Bo Kregner from the Kregner Group of Realty Executives. And I know there's a lot of choices here in East Tennessee when it comes to choosing a realtor. Here's why 